Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. It's Monday, May 22nd. Oh, my gosh. Hard to believe we're already through half of May. Oh, my. I hope wherever you are, you're able to sit and enjoy our Monday morning podcast. We do our best on Monday mornings to start your day and your week with some stories and inspirations and ideas. A couple updates for you today. Our next podcast, you know what, I'm going to say it a different way. Our next podcast that's specifically for persons who care for a family member with frontal temporal dementia is Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. So this is our monthly podcast that Sharon Hall hosts, and it's on the last Thursday of every month at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Sharon is joined by an expert, and they tackle questions that you face and answers that you need as you care for a family member with FTD. And Sharon cares cares for her husband who was diagnosed with FTD. Oh, my gosh. I think it was two years ago this fall. Wow. Wow. And so Sharon has been very active in the FTD community. She hosts a chat on caregiving.com every Monday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern time for those who care for a family member with FTD as well as our monthly podcast. And as I think this out, I think her monthly podcast will be a year this summer. Wow. So just a reminder that even though a diagnosis enters your life, it doesn't have to stop your life. It can definitely take your life into a different direction. And sometimes that direction can be quite inspiring. And Sharon Hall is one of our examples of that. She took our Certified Caregiving Consultant training program last year and then really just hit the ground running trying to create awareness around FTD, its diagnosis, and create support for those in a situation where they care for a family member. So again, the next FTD podcast is Thursday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. And just a reminder that the weekly FTD chats happen on caregiving.com at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. I am heading out this afternoon for a performance at our local senior center. My parents are very active in their senior center, and my dad is in some kind of performance that he, that he invited me to, to come to, so I'm going to have lunch with my parents, and then we're going to watch my dad. And my mom said yesterday that my dad has basically found his theatrical calling. He's prepared for his performance with prompts, props. <laughs> Maybe he'll be prompted with his props, but he's got props and so we'll just have to see. He's been a um, active thespian in his later years in this world. So his one of his theatrical performances was last year when they lived in the retirement community. He starred in a play that other residents at the retirement community also starred in. He has long been a reader at church. And he's emceed different performances 
at the senior center, but I think this might be his debut as a thespian at the senior community. So I'm looking forward to that. So I'm taking a little break off this afternoon to support my parents. I think it's kind of interesting. I was thinking about this the other day. I, I don't have kids, but I like to support my siblings' kids. So I participate by cheering them on at different activities, whether they're playing soccer or basketball or running a race or working backstage at a play. I like to show up. And I think it's kind of interesting that I do that for my parents now too, who are 85 and 82. <laughs> so you just never know. You just never know where life will take you and who you'll be cheering on in your seat. Yesterday, my parents and I also attended a graduation for my sister's children. And it didn't seem like a long day, except when we got back in the car and we were coming home. And I just drove home without thinking about where I was driving. So I missed the exit to take my parents to their place, which isn't a big deal, except my dad said, no, no, now go this way. And I knew he was wrong, but I didn't want to say, dad, you're wrong. So I followed his directions and it was wrong. And then my mom, my mom who had been sneezing in the front, snoozing in the front seat, woke up and said, oh no, this isn't right. And oh, it felt like chaos in the car, but we did finally get on the right path, I turned around. And my dad in the back seat was looking on his um, iPhone to get directions, but his, in his mind, his directions are what, what direction we're going in. So he would say to me, <laughs> you're now going northeast. You're now heading southwest. And I got my phone out, and I just looked on our map to see how to get back to where we needed to, to be. I just thought it was interesting that he wants to give me directions as in, well, you're heading northeast, you're heading southwest, and I just wanted to know how to get back to where they live. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It really was chaotic. And then because he pulled out his smartphone and was looking at basically the direction we were going, it reminded him that they are over on their data use, usage. So that went into a long discussion of the difference between Wi-Fi and data usage. And I still don't think... We got anywhere. We kind of went around in a circle. But anyway, so I hope my parents are doing okay because they were exhausted when they got out of my car at 9 o'clock last night. So I hope they got a good sleep for today's performance. And uh, just a couple other reminders about some things that are going on on caregiving.com. We've got our Caregiving in the Workplace Summit, which happens June 2nd. You can register to join us in person in Chicago or virtually. And you'll find more information about that when you go to caregiving.com. You'll see a banner that says Caregiving and the Workplace Summit. Just click on that. And I'm so excited about this summit because of the perspectives that we'll share. So the impact of caregiving and its responsibilities on the workplace is not new. It's been a discussion that's been going on for a while. But when I read the research, I read the research from either the perspective of consultants who are looking at the issue or executives within large corporations. Those are important perspectives to share. And they also miss the perspective of, hey, what's it really like when you are 
caring for a family member, and trying to keep your career on track. And it also misses the perspective of the smaller businesses and how do they manage it. So we're going to share those perspectives from larger companies as well as smaller companies. So we've got some panelists who actually own a small business and care for a family member. And we also have panelists who are caring for a family member and trying to keep their career on track. So I think that the summit gives a viewpoint and a perspective from several different viewpoints. So it is the employer, it's the working family caregiver. One of our presenters is Callie Williams-Yost, who you'll remember from podcasts and video chats. And she's going to start us off with a discussion on the overview of the issue. What do we need to keep in mind? Who's impacted? What's the impact like? And then we move into dialogues with, with, which share the perspective of the working family caregiver, the employer, and then finally, best practices. And it's the best practices from the perspective of the employer and the working family caregiver. So we're going to talk about hey, if we're in a caregiving situation, we're looking for another job, should we disclose that during the interview? And there's a couple different perspectives on that. And then we're going to talk about the perspective from the employer. What can the employer do so that it retains those top performers who are in a caregiving situation? And we know that when you're in a caregiving situation, you're a top performer for the most part. That's what I believe. So it's an interesting conversation, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. Again, you can join us virtually or in person, and you can register for either by going to caregiving.com, looking at the banner ad on the top of any page, click on that. It'll give you details about the summit and then help you register. Okay, if you have any questions, you can always email me. My email address is denise at caregiving.com. Nice and easy. So I think those are the updates that I wanted to share with you today. We're going to follow up um, my updates with a conversation about privacy as it relates to your caree. And one of our experts who typically joins us each Monday is on vacation. So Carolyn Grant, we hope you are having a great time. So Colleen Cavanaugh is with us this morning. Her website is thelongestdance.com. She cared for both of her parents for a decade. She's now one of our certified caregiving consultants. She helps family caregivers streamline their lives and cultivate a sense of, of mission that supports them through the less than perfect days. So good morning, Colleen. Good morning, Denise. So the topic that we're going to talk about today is something that is on your radar, Colleen, and it's about protecting the privacy of your carry. So start us off and tell us what the issue is and what your concerns about the issue are. I have a curiosity around individual family caregivers who post photos of a parent or a loved one in a less than ideal light. Um, specifically like a parent with dementia who is not having one of their best days. And 
the question for me comes up, is that okay to do? Would the parent want that? Was there a conversation ever early on in the diagnosis of whatever I can do to help other people and be a voice for this illness, I give you permission to go ahead and do? Or would that person, if they were fully cognizant, say, oh, you know what, this is sort of a private moment, would rather not see people, have other people see me like this. And that's where I have a curiosity and I'm wondering if other people think about the same thing. So what's interesting is this is also an issue that it, that you can attach to writing blogs about a caregiving situation. So when you write about a caregiving situation, you are writing about your caree. And in tough days, you're also writing about what it's like for your caree during difficult days. I've written about situations with my parents where I've been very honest about how I feel about what's happening, how I feel about them. And so the privacy issue is about what we write and about what we show. And what we show, I think, makes the issue that much more in our face because we see it on Facebook when we go to our social media accounts on Twitter. And the concern is, do we have consent from our caree to show this? So on a blog, you could say, well, I am writing anonymously, which is why we allow users to create their own nickname, so to speak, when they join. They don't have to use their real name. They have to use a real email address, but not a real name. And so I kind of protect my parents' privacy because we don't have the same last name. But on Facebook, the photo, without consent, you would think, is an invasion of privacy. So it's an interesting question. So how did you handle that, Colleen, with your parents when you were caring for them? Uh, it's, at the time, they were always very, very private people, and to the point of you know, not wanting people to even know what was happening to them. And, and being ill, and that's that's a whole other conversation of itself because that sometimes puts the caregiver in a precarious position to not be able to get the support that they need from others uh, when they operate under that veil of secrecy. And I never took photos of them in you know positions where you know they would be in hospital beds or other situations that they were less than themselves. Um, My mom on a good day didn't want her picture taken. So I knew that it was like not even a thought that that the camera was going to come out when she was on her worst day. Um, You know, my dad was a little bit more open about things, but for me, I always tried to care and give them dignity. They were in a position that they couldn't control and to be able to be a person that could make things a little bit more dignified for them was a a role that I took on. So I never, you know, I never did that during the time. And I haven't, I haven't since I haven't posted things like that. And I don't know if it comes so much from my upbringing and, and being raised in this very private environment 
because obviously a lot of other people don't have the problem with it. So it's something that I'm, I'm sort of wrestling with right now. So my dad is more of a public person. So I've taken photos of him and posted them on caregiving.com prior to, for instance, a surgery that he had when he had a skin graft to remove the top of his head because of skin cancer. And so we were in an outpatient center, and they gave him (laughs) pink stuff to wear. It was purple. It might as well have been pink because it was purple. It was so funny. The gown he had was purple, and it had, (laughs) like, um, little teddy bears on it. And he had had those um, socks that they give you that also had teddy bears on it. I just got such a kick out of my dad wearing these purple things with, like, teddy bears on it. I said, Dad, I have to take a picture of you. So he said, okay, go for it, go for it. So he smiled and was happy. I've also taken a picture of him in the emergency room, but he wasn't smiling and he wasn't happy. And so I said, do you guys mind if I take a picture? And I said, Dad, I'm not going to take a picture of you. But what I did is I positioned the camera so that his, his hands were in the photo and then on the other side of the hospital bed, my sister and my mom were there and they both smiled. And so I wanted to kept, capture that moment in time. And I posted it on caregiving.com in our first photo project where we take a picture of the first day of the month as a way to document our experience. I think that's beautifully done. That's very artistic. Oh, can you believe it? I I, <laughs> thought, I thought that was pretty good, too, that I was thinking that way. And, okay, as I talk this out, I'm glad I have that photo because six months, six weeks later, the sister in that photo had a complete meltdown and removed herself from the caregiving situation. So I'm glad I have that photo of her and my mom sitting together smiling with my dad's hand in the picture. Because even though she's not involved now, she was at one time, and it brings back a good memory. So I don't have all Mm -hmm. bad memories of her. Yeah, so when you think about it, is it how we show our carry that's also important to think about? Yes, and I think that's, where the question comes in for me, you know, to see your dad pre-surgery having son in his teddy bear outfit is one thing. And, you know, you're, that's a moment that you're sharing, um, but to have him, you know, be out of it and hooked up to an IV and, and maybe comatose, you, you know, it, I don't know if that serves, how, who, who does that serve when other people yeah. see that? Yeah, and as I think about it, there are ways to photograph that moment without showing your carry. So you could show the IV. You don't have to show your carry. So I wonder, what is it that we're... What is it that we want, do you think, when we post something that shows our carry in a vulnerable situation? I wonder if it's looking for a way to express 
something that at, in that moment feels unexpressible. The thought of, wow, this is what I'm looking at right now, and it's not who they used to be. This is such a different situation, and wanting other people to be able to in some way maybe acknowledge that and, and let them know, oh, my gosh, wow, that is really bad. Like they, they look horrible or were – you know, you are going through a hard time. Now we get it and having a little window into that. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. What's your take on it? Yeah, so, it, gosh, I had suggested to caregiving.com members probably, I'm just going to guess, maybe 17 years ago, I said, what do you guys think about a scrapbook around caregiving? And this is when scrapbooking felt like it was all the rage. And so I thought, what if we did a scrapbook of our caregiving experience? Would that be something that would be useful, helpful? And I got a lot of pushback. People said, absolutely not. I don't want it in a scrapbook. But what's changed, I think, is social media. Because now we show everything about our lives. And in essence, we could use our social media accounts to create this scrapbook. And really, the first photo project is a scrapbook of our caregiving experience. We take a photo to document what it's like. And then we have photos every month that show us the story. And I think what happens is we we enter into the land of oversharing sometimes and forgetting about a carry's privacy because we got so, we're now so used to sharing everything. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I love the scrapbooking component to this because you're right. Social media is like a digital scrapbook or, you know, a pictorial flip book of your life. And we have, I think, become immune to oversharing or used to oversharing and to stop and sort of be conscious for a moment to say, is this something that I do want to flip back to? And I know when someone goes through a long illness, there's a period where you, that those are the memories that you have at first, at least this was how it went for me and my father. And I could only remember the losses that he suffered and then slowly the other memories came back, the memories where he was full of life and living a really energetic life and, uh, you know, himself. And those memories were so treasured. That would be the scrapbook that I would want to look back on. And that's something, it's an interesting way to look at it, I think, putting social media as a form of a scrapbook. And what do we want to look back on and remember? So it's interesting you talk about the memories you have now because Holly Eburn, who joins me for a regular podcast, talked about that same thing happening after her husband died, that slowly she let go of the memories of his disease and decline and deterioration and remembered what it was like before which was interesting because she said she couldn't remember what it was like before during caregiving. 
And she looked at it as it was too painful to remember before, during. And then after his death, those memories of the pain eased away and the memories of what it was like before really became the, the most prominent memories. Would you that's say that's true for you? Yeah, yeah she has you... a really poignant observation with that. I, I love how she looked into that. And yet definitely true for me. And I think that the idea of it being sort of a protection mechanism to not be able to go back and see that person fully alive in your memory because you're so mired in the everyday caring for this illness. Um, there's, there's, yeah, there's something to be said about that. I was excited. I was, it was so wonderful to have the good memories come back again because I couldn't access them. I couldn't even think to access them and, and miss them. It was just, you know, you were, I was, it's like when you come in from being out in a storm and you're soaking wet, you maybe want to be warm again and dry, but not until, you know, you have to go through a little bit of time before you go back to the way things used to be. And I think that's with our memories as well. So here's what's interesting about the photos that I take of my parents now. The relationship that I have with my parents now is different because of caregiving. And even though I sometimes am so horribly honest about feelings toward my parents, I would say my relationship with my parents is much better than it's been because of caregiving. So I like these photos that I take now because it reminds me of being on a team with them. So, for instance, when I think about this photo of my dad wearing this purple outfit before he goes in for major, well, it wasn't major surgery, but for us it was, you know, pretty intense. Mm -hmm. And he's got this big smile on his face. I think, oh, my gosh, what I went through with my dad, wow. We were really a team. And that was not how it felt prior to caregiving. I like that idea that you're documenting the new camaraderie that you're sharing. Yes, right, right. I will say, though, that I felt comfortable sharing that on the first photo project on caregiving.com. I would never share that on Facebook. And what's the difference for you when you make that determination? Because that just seems like the world on Facebook. I mean, I just feel <laughs> like that's, you know, I, uh, yeah. Because it feels like on caregiving.com, it feels like there's a reason that we're doing it. And the reason is because I guess there's a respect of the journey. So we're respecting the journey. On Facebook, it feels like it gets out there and there's a possibility that it's disrespectful of the journey, which goes back yeah. to your point. Right, which is where's the respect and privacy, and yes. are are we keeping that in mind? And you also did say when we first started this conversation that sometimes a carry will say, "Show what this is, this disease is like. Educate the public, educate them, and therefore the photos are an educational tool." Yes. And it's just important for us to keep that in mind. 
the time and the place. And and yes. is the time and place that we're sharing appropriate and given the stamp of approval from a carry. So here's what's so interesting too about today's conversation for me. And that is for a long time, and you also alluded to this, we didn't really talk about caregiving. So a parent might have said, please, don't talk about this diagnosis or disease with anyone. This is just something we keep in the family. And so Mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of sharing. And now there is a ton of sharing. And I think it's interesting that we're talking about, are we oversharing? Have we tipped into (laughs) oversharing? Because Mm -hmm. for so long it was, let's share, let's talk about it, let's tell people what it's like, let's show them. When when do we tip from sharing effectively and for the the right reasons into oversharing? How do we know that? What do you think? I don't know. That's the fine line, and that's where I stop and I give pause when I do see posts like that and say, what, what was the motivation for this? What is this showing? Um, and then I think, too, you know, would, would this person be happy to see a photo of themselves like this? And, again, this could all stem to mommy issues where my mom, like I said, on a good day didn't want her photo taken. <laughs> so, you know, maybe I have this hang up of, like, you know, you should look nice in a photo. Um, but it's, I think, when it's somebody who can't consent, that's, that's where I have pause. And maybe that's something something for us to keep in mind. If we are sharing a particularly vulnerable photo on Facebook, maybe it is important for us to say, my Carrie, whoever it might be, has given me permission to share this. Mm-hmm. That's an idea. Yeah, something for us to keep in mind. Okay. Thank you so much, Colleen. This was really an interesting conversation. It's really giving, <laughs> making me think too now. Oh man, yeah. I think yeah, it's I always good for us callers. To, yeah, get, so we'll have to. We'll, yes, yeah, we'll definitely revisit this, and maybe this is a a good conversation to revisit in June, and give everybody enough time to know we're going to talk about it, and then ask people mm-hmm. to call in and and share what they think. Or even host a creative photo contest, showing without showing. Yeah, how do we show caregiving without showing our caree? And what's interesting is in our first photo project, people have done it in an interesting way. So Yolanda, who cared for her grandmother, she posted a photo that showed how her morning looks. And what she did is she put meds, breakfast, and her to-do list on a table and took a photo. Nice. So the, Yeah, so there's ways to do it that show, hey, this is how my morning starts without showing your carry. Hmm. Okay. We'll keep talking about this. Interesting, very interesting. Thank you, Colleen, so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. And a reminder, we have the next two weeks off, so we don't meet again until June 12th. June 12th. So we've got the next two Mondays off, so our next Monday morning podcast will be June 12th. Wow. Yay. Yay for June. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Colleen. Looking forward to connecting again in a couple weeks. Looking forward to it. 
Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. I'm Denise Brown. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we always love to know. Take care. Bye-bye.